Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I'm doing great on a Sunday night. It's a Victory Monday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I have to believe you all know what's coming, a third straight victory for your Miami Dolphins. That's right, it is a Victory Monday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We're celebrating another victory, and another victory over our rival, the New York Jets. We're going to get to the five takeaways from the game, from the weekend. We're going to talk about the MetLife Takeover, which if you have not made it up for a MetLife Takeover to the New York area, I highly, highly recommend it. What a fantastic weekend we had here, celebrating with all these Dolphins fans and celebrating this football team. We'll cover that, the five takeaways, and we'll play a segment for you guys from the post-game show with myself, OJ McDuffie and Seth Levitt, all of that and more on this special on location from New Jersey, from New York, from MetLife Stadium, not from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, but still on the road. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and start with the five takeaways here first. Number one is Tua and the offense find their footing in the second half. And back to Tua Tungavailoa's stat line in that second half of this game. Bad interception in that first half that he acknowledged was a bad throw and a bad ball that he wishes he had back. He also acknowledged the offense having some plays they would like back in that game. But they came back strong in that second half, finishing out the second half 11 for 12 with 144 passing yards and two touchdowns in that second half. We talk all the time about the gotta have it moments. Once again, in this game, Miami was sharp on offense when they had to have it. There was a bit of a lull there in the second quarter, or I should say end of the first, mid-second, or all the way through the second quarter when the offense just couldn't get out of its own way. Some mistakes here and there. Tua mentioned the bad throw. Running game couldn't get much going. Protection not great. Just the offense kind of hit a bit of a pothole there before they did find their footing later on. But the, the result of the drives in that second half is the main focus of this portion of the podcast because you get a an explosive play, right? The longest touchdown pass in the career of Tua Tungavailoa goes 65 yards to, to I almost said Jalen Waddle, to Mac Hollins for the big touchdown there. And that drive takes four plays, 90 yards, two minutes and 13 seconds off the clock. Then you have one three and out, three plays for nine yards. Then 14 plays, 75 yards, seven minutes and 44 seconds of game clock. Then you come back after the Jets go down and put points back on the board. 12 plays, 45 yards, 6 minutes, 53 seconds, and kick the field goal to put the Dolphins up by 10 points and essentially out of reach late in that football game. And you want to talk about helping out your defense? That's a good way to do it right there. Get the time of possession in your favor, especially late in a game. And in fact, the reporters postgame asked Xavier Howard how he felt about the offense pretty much taking the air out of the football on those two drives. And he just said, I love that stuff. And he didn't say stuff. But as for Tua, I guess, you know, I, I don't understand what the expectation is of Tua. Maybe here I'm sort of arguing with myself or against a collection of tweets that I see or whatever the case may be. But what's the expectation here? I mean, 23-year-old quarterback hasn't even played a full 16 games yet. And most of the time, things are tight late in games. He plays his best ball in those moments. 
And the other stuff, the in-between, is all getting better every single week. And that's what Brian Flores said post-game. He said he thinks that every time Tua gets on the field, he's getting better. And that's a great trajectory for your 23-year-old quarterback in his second season. Now, one of the things that I noticed about this game and recent games here for Miami and what Tua brings to the offense is a certain package of plays and the sequence of plays you can run off of those plays that he does so well that are difficult to defend. And we talked about this in the postgame show with myself and Seth and OJ. And I just asked OJ, you know, I know that you can't, you can't construct an entire offense around the RPO in the quick game. You just, you just cannot live that way where you only have this one package. That's kind of like saying I'm only going to run you know, outside zone in my running game, nothing else. You can't do that. You have to be multiple. But the ability to get to the RPO, the quick game, and the wrinkles that they can display off of that, and the conflict that all those plays create that gets defenders thinking about multiple things, and some of the coverage busts that that can create, or just the confusion and the gaps that can create in the defense, there's a lot of value to that. And it may, might not be 100% of your offense, but if it's even 33% of the offense, that's a pretty damn good starting point, again, for a 23-year-old second-year quarterback that he can really excel and really flourish in those roles and to have an offense that, with certain pieces kind of coming together here, can kind of take advantage of those strengths. I think you have to be very happy with that. And then you sprinkle in some of the vertical shots. And again, the RPO quick game stuff did help generate that busted coverage last week against the Ravens where Albert Wilson got free up the sideline. We saw some instances in this game where Tua converted third downs with the RPO game. But that, in addition to his ability to escape pressure, and again, this kid finds a way to get out of pressure and kind of step off the spot and, and extend and create. He's very good in that area. I just think you're watching a young quarterback improve and develop in front of our eyes. And I, for one, find that to be very very exciting as a Dolphins fan for the last 25 years where you just haven't had that very often at that position where you felt confident going forward in certain areas and development of a young guy's game. I mean, you know, Ryan Tannehill was the last draft pick, took him a while to get going in his career. Chad Henney, Pat White, some of the other guys that were here before that, not to, to bag on, on those guys or dunk on those guys or anything of the sort. They were all very good players, obviously. Just didn't work out here in Miami. But to see a quarterback develop and progress and to show that stuff that you want to see, that's really important to me. And so I just think that the Dolphins should, or the Dolphins fans out there should be more excited about what you're seeing from him, especially in these big time moments when the game is really coming down to it on the line there and Tua seems to play his best ball in those moments. And the offense in general has kind of followed suit there as well. Jalen Waddell moves into third all time on the rookie receptions list for your Miami Dolphins. He has a big game here and an even bigger game if he can just stay in bounds on that little half step out of bounds that he barely kicked up the, the well, it's not, you know, kick up chalk on field turf, but his foot's on the white just barely. And there's only one defender there about 10 yards away. We almost got to see the Ferrari come out of the garage on that play. And you could tell he thought it was too, because he came up really disappointed that he stepped on the sideline there, but he winds up eight for 65 if he gets that 70-whatever-yard touchdown, that's something else. But it didn't happen, so we'll play it like that. But he did also add a rushing touchdown, and this is a great Brett Brekhuizen stat from our PR department, does great research for us. He was the second rookie receiver with a rushing touchdown this season, besides Elijah Moore for the Jets, who also is a very good player in his own right out of American Heritage. They're with Pat Sertan in South Florida. Rest of the offense, some other numbers here. Miles, or rather, uh, Mac Hollins, wow, easy for me to say, two catches, 72 yards and a touchdown, and the second catch, the, the seven-yard completion, was a big third-down conversion in this game. Mike Gesicki, five for 50, and Durham Smythe, four for, 70, for 37. And some other guys caught passes too, but it, that was the biggest producers in this game. Takeaway number two was 
the game plan for the defense, the pressure looks, and the Jets' ability to really kind of attack it as best as they could, I thought. The ball got out wide a whole bunch, and that was really impressive for them to find that kind of when you're going to play that zero coverage and you have the inside leverage, like that's kind of where the ball, besides over the top, that's where that defense is maybe most vulnerable at times in certain looks. And I thought the Jets did a good job of getting to those speed outs. And, you know, we finally saw a slant pattern cause a problem on this defense. And that will happen sometimes, obviously, in zero coverage looks if you get beat by just that small margin. And Byron's right there for that play, just not quite in position enough to make the play. He just missed that ball in his diving attempt, and it goes out the back gate for 62 yards and a touchdown. And I was just talking about how he's playing so well in that game, and that play will obviously get charged to his statistics there. But that, I mean, that's the kind of the risk you run with the defense. But to have it only happen really spring a big play one time in the last four weeks or so, I think that's very impressive. But the Jets, just to to find a way to, to compete and put out 380 yards in this game, I thought that was impressive work there from Joe Flacco. But the pressure in, te- in general for Miami was relentless throughout the course of the day. Obviously, it led to a big play from Brandon Jones there. But the third down defense was, you know, 7 for 14 for the Jets. But Miami certainly made their fair share of big plays on those third downs, including a big uh, Jalen Phillips sack to get the defense off the field. Emmanuel Ogbaugh continues to swap balls down at the line of scrimmage. He leads the NFL and passes defense among defensive linemen. Got another one of those today. I thought Xavier Howard was in great position a lot of the times. Almost had a pick on one play late in that game. Jerome Baker providing pressure from that linebacker position. Andrew Van Ginkle off the edge once again. I thought Zach Sealer was a monster. I'll get a better look at the tape and more in depth on this on the Tuesday edition of the drive time. But again, I just really thought the Jets did quite well against Miami's attack and good on them and good on Joe Flacco and also Robert Saloff for making the decision to go with Flacco because he he acknowledged it, right? He wants the experience against a defense like this and maybe Zach Wilson or Mike White hasn't played enough games to have that experience to be able to excel against a high pressure, high intensity type of defense and Flacco hung in there and took some big shots and got the ball to the right spot. So that team played, I think, about as well as they could have in this game for the Jets. And the Dolphins were good, were just better and were better enough to come out with a victory in this game. Takeaway number three, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones once again. This is going to be a quick takeaway, but just kind of talking about how opposing offenses have to account for these two young players, a second year and a first year safety. And Seth made this point about that, you know, the point that I made earlier in the postgame show about how Flacco's experience and the ability to recognize where certain guys are on the field. Like we talked about how when you game plan for an opponent, you have the little jerseys that throw over the top of your practice jersey that simulate your number on the opposing team for the scout team. So like if I'm playing against the Ravens, for instance, if I'm going to be Lamar Jackson, I have my number eight jersey on. But where are number eight and 29 when you're practicing against this Dolphins defense and your scout team on the other side of the football? And that's, you know, kind of the case for the whole defense because they were getting after it all game long and have been for a month plus now finding a way to get after the quarterback and create pressure and generate big plays with the pressure you put on them. But just with the blitzing and the constant accounting for number eight and number 29 down around the line of scrimmage, out in coverage, the communication, the ability to spin out and do different things. It's been really impressive. And for Brandon Jones to basically, not basically, he did with his pressure, his sack, his forced fumble, he took points off the board. The Jets are in the red zone there. A big strip sack that goes back the Dolphins' way. Christian Wilkins, a great pin on the helmet to pin that thing for a forced or a fumble recovery, I should say. And the run after that, put the ball away, big man. He fumbles it back. Javon Holland then picks it up for another fumble recovery of his own. But I thought one of the best plays in terms of just takeaway 
situation or circumstances, just the best pure athletic play in the entire game for my money was the pass breakup on Javon Holland over the top of Corey Davis with Jerome Baker underneath in coverage in good shape, but it was a great ball right over the top and Holland comes in there and separates the ball from the receiver's hands and he also finished with a team high seven total tackles. So Holland and Jones continue their hot streak now heading into the month of December after next week, after the Panthers game. Takeaway number four, Miles Gaskin. What a game he had in this one. And it wasn't pretty as far as the yards per carry average, just 3.9, but there was a lot of big runs and the chunk gains that I thought were so essential to the success of the offense and the team in general in this game to generate some explosive plays, both in the passing game and the running game. And we talked about this in the preview show, right? How the Jets were 32nd in explosive pass plays allowed and 31st in explosive run plays allowed Both elements of the Dolphins' offense found success in that regard with the obvious 65-yard touchdown pass and a couple of the big runs from Miles Gaskin and also the touchdown catch that he made. Just what a tough dude because that's a play where he knew he was going to get popped, but he found the goal line, found the end zone for a huge touchdown with just under 11 minutes to play in the game, tied at 14-all. You kick that field goal there. That's a momentum swinger back in favor of the Jets. But because he found the goal line, found the end zone, Dolphins go up by seven and didn't really look back from that point forward in the game. So great work from Miles Gaskin. And here's a segment that has kind of gone by the wayside this year on the Drive Time podcast that I apologize for. I I blame largely the seven-game losing streak because there wasn't many options to look at, but I haven't gone back to it, and that's my mistake. But the play before the play, and technically this is two plays before the play, Second and 14 after a penalty for Miami offensively pushes them back. It was a, a one of three offensive pass interferences in the game that negates a 35-yard reception from Tua to Albert Wilson. And they're second and 14 backed up in the shadow of their own goalpost. And Miles Gaskin rips off a 20-yard run with an awesome seal off the edge from Leon Eichenberg to get the Dolphins not just in first down territory, but to open up the playbook where you're in a position where you don't have to kind of play it conservative because you're second long or third and long up against your own goalposts. Like if he gains no yards, third and 14, you probably don't even put that ball into harm's way and you just run the ball, get the heck out of there, punt it away and come back and live to fight another day. But because he hits a 20 yard run, he then comes back with a nine yard run on the next play and second and one, they hit the 65 yard touchdown pass. So the play before the play, Miles Gaskin hits a big one. And actually I just heard the postgame press conferences. Mac Hollins mentioned that too. So good on you, Mac, for giving love to your teammate, for making a big play to help you go make a big play. Just in general, Kind of tough sledding overall. We mentioned the the 3.9 yards per carry from Miles Gaskin, but I thought he ran hard. I thought he ran decisively, and the chunk runs I thought were exactly what this offense needed. And it wasn't just Miles. Duke Duke Johnson goes four for 18 on the ground. Welcome to Miami. He also said post game his three favorite Dolphins growing up: Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, and Ricky Williams. You and me both, brother. Patrick Laird had a huge reception where he breaks two tackles short of the sticks to extend that opening drive. That's a that's kind of a four-point play. We talk about Brandon Jones taking points off the board, a possible touchdown or field goal. Patrick Laird added four points to the scoreboard there with that great effort after the catch. And then to run out the clock, I think it was nine carries for 25 yards. So again, not great by the average standards, but that's how you milk a clock out with seven minutes to go in the game and get your offense in position to win the game and give the defense an easier time on the other end. They also sprinkled in a clutch, clutch seven-yard completion and a six-yard completion there to help move the sticks. That's exactly how you run your four-minute offense. Takeaway number five, getting better. Under Brian Flores after Halloween, 15-6 and six are the Miami Dolphins. That's a great record and definitely buys in or coincides with the message that we want to get better throughout the course of the season. Nine and three 
in the month of November under Brian Flores and 7-1 and one in the past two years. So that's the fifth takeaway here, getting better as the year goes along. The Dolphins going to have to continue to put together some wins here, and it starts next week against the Carolina Panthers at home. Three straight home games and a bye week sandwiched in between there. Can't wait for that personally. I'm sure the guys would love to be back in South Florida for a solid month here as the holiday comes and goes here early or late November into early December. But those are your five takeaways. Getting better throughout the course of the season. Miles Gaskin in the running game got the job done again with Brandon Jones and Javon Holland. The Jets responding well to Miami's pressure looks in the zero coverage. And then Tua Tungavailoa and the offense find their footing in the second half. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the completion from Tua to Waddle on third and eight with pretty much, you know, there's a minute left in the third quarter. The Dolphins are tied up and they're on their own side of the field at the 43-yard line, tied up late third quarter. You don't get that first down. You don't get to eat up more time on the clock. You don't get to obviously go score points. You get the ball right back to the Jets. Again, one of these possible momentum swingers. They get off the field on third and eight. They probably feel good about themselves. Give the ball back to the offense. Maybe they can produce some more points on that drive. And then all of a sudden, you're down in the fourth quarter. But for Tua on that third and eight throw, pressure was actually not in his face so much. It looked like it at the end. But in general, the pass protection was very good. Waddle had a fantastic route to kind of turn the defender around. But he eventually closed the space because that that window that Tua had to throw to was, was very tight, very thin, and he put that thing right on the money. And Seth and OJ loved this in the postgame show. I talked about the Brian Dayball comment from when he was the OC back at Alabama with Tua, and he said, you know, some guys can hit the barn with the football. Some guys can hit the door on the barn. Some guys can even hit the doorknob on the door of the barn, but some guys can hit the keyhole of the doorknob of the door of the barn. And that guy is Tua Tungavailoa. And I thought we saw it on that play. Perfect placement. I had a great vantage point up in the press box where it was kind of coming right towards me. And I thought there is no way that ball is going to be completed, but it was. And for Waddle to make the contested catch and show the concentration and the awareness around the sidelines, I love that connection, those two guys. And I'm looking forward to seeing these guys continue to grow and get better and build together in this Dolphins passing attack. All right, those are the takeaways. I want to also mention Michael Pilardi had a very good game punting the football. I think he averaged 48 yards per punt it was in this game. Let's go ahead and check the stats real quick just to make sure that that's the accurate as I can't find it. Four for 47.8, had a long of 57 and pinned one inside the 20-yard line. I thought that was his best game as a Miami Dolphin. So, And, and Seth joked about how he's a South Florida guy and he knew what, what he had to bring his A game here against the Jets and the MetLife takeover. So that was pretty funny, but... Good on you, Michael Pilardi, for booming some punts in this game. And before we get to the post-game segment, uh, after the outro here from the 560-99 Kiss Country post-game show with me, Seth, and OJ, just want to go ahead and mention the MetLife takeover is the ultimate takeaway here because if you have not made your way up to New York slash New Jersey slash wherever the heck we are for a MetLife takeover, you got to do it. There's, It's basically like a Dolphins church of just insane fans and people that love this team and the aqua and orange is all over the place. I mean, we saw it from the moment we got into town. We had this you know, collection of us that had the transportation back to the hotel. We get here. There's fans waiting outside the front door looking for players, looking for anybody they can talk to to sign autographs. And OJ McDuffie became a very popular man within about five seconds of entering the hotel, getting all kinds of autographs. Bunch of folks that knew who we were from the podcast network, giving us some dap, giving us some love. We passed out about 3,000 of these Dolphins uh, Dolphins Today, Fish Tank, and Drive Time Flyers getting the word out there about the podcast and about the shows we have for you guys on YouTube and otherwise. And 
just to be around all the folks and all the love. I mean, at Slattery's, the the raffle giveaway, the the menu, their menu had like Dolphins themed food, like a Ricky Williams veggie burger, for instance, was one thing they had. I thought that was incredible. A little Dolphins museum they have downstairs. Uh, they've got a DJ there playing music. They're breaking out jet suck chants every 10 minutes. It's if you're a Dolphins fan, you got to come check it out at least one time in your life. And then finally, also just the accommodations of, I mentioned the transportation for the Dolphins to hook us up with that. That was fantastic. The takeover itself, I mean, Igor and Michelle, the, the people that run the Dolphins takeover or the MetLife takeover, the work they put in, it doesn't go unnoticed. I If I tried to thank everybody, I would certainly forget names. So I apologize for that. But Everyone involved in putting this thing on, everybody involved with getting us up here as a podcast network, we had a fantastic time. We all got way tighter as friends and kind of made that bond even tighter. Tons of jokes, poking fun at each other. You know, just a fantastic weekend up here. And I also want to shout out the cooks at the MetLife Takeover, the guys that were running the grill. I didn't see them leave. It was basically firing up patties and and hot dogs for like three hours straight and those guys didn't leave. So that was the hardest job of the day, in my opinion. And they kept that thing going. And of course it concludes with the game. Just amazing, amazing stuff. I'm so glad to have met all you that I did meet out there and to put a bow on this thing. I just want to thank everybody for all the kind words among all of you that I spoke to. And there had to have been literally a hundred people. I mean, you want to feel like a Z list celebrity host a dolphins podcast and go to a dolphins bar in New York city but in a time where I feel like the collective you know, mental well-being of society is struggling more than it ever has right now, and where it's so commonplace to you know, say hurtful things, people on, on social media, maybe even in person if you have the stones to do that, the kind words that all of you that met us said to us, and, and to me, this is me speaking more, not for Seth and OJ, but I know they feel the same way. Throughout the weekend, you all are so, so appreciated. I, I, I can't put into words how much all of that meant to, to me and to us as a podcast network. So thank you so very much. The Dolphins truly do have the best fans, and so do I here on the Drive Time Podcast. Thank you all so very much. Stay tuned after the outro here for a post-game segment show. I think I'm going to give you guys game balls, or I might play the first segment. I'll make a decision here in the next few seconds. As for my time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins on all social accounts. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. They have Bernie Kozar coming up this week. You do not want to miss that. Also, the YouTube channel for all of our media availabilities and Dolphins Today with Joanna Torres. Make sure you check her out. And, of course, last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy is coming home. your game day menu the perfect kick of spice with old el paso try recipes the whole team will love like slow cooker slow cooker cheesy chicken enchilada bean dip that's more to say than i think seth can put down in one sitting air fryer beef taquitos or carnitas mini taco bowls visit oldelpaso.com for these recipes and more game day favorites old el paso taco together seth i'm sorry man I, i'm starting to develop a little bit of a complex but it's not going to stop me this evening when we sit down for dinner i can tell you that much well we're ready for our favorite segment of the show three weeks in a row now let's hand out some game balls we don't break right, that was a great job we got it from everybody offense big drive defense they're gonna stop at the end you make these corrections we're gonna get better we're gonna stay without process though Stay with our project. Alright, let's get ready to go. Call it up. Call it up. Let's go. Three, one, two, three. Let's go.
time to present today's Game Balls with Travis, Seth, and OJ. Look at the big smile on Travis's face, baby. And it's not just because the Dolphins won right. that's no Game Balls. No fish tank on this edition of the post-game show. Juice, who's got your Game Ball today? Oh, man, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb real quick, man. And I'm going with the wide out. Oh, wow. Shocker. I've got to go with my man, Jalen Waddle, man. Jalen Waddle had a big, big day today, converting a lot of third downs, man. Eight grabs. He had nine targets. Uh, what do he have? 60, what do we have yard 65. wide? 65 yards. And not only that, man, he's starting to leapfrog some guys on this. On 8.1 yard average there, 81. Hey. Getting better, right? There's, there's three or four yards in average for a while I'm there, bro. At yeah, 8-1, right? So he moves into third place all time, right, Big Seth? Yes, in terms sir. of rookie receptions, you know, he's a 17 away from Jarvis. And he's also only a couple hundred, two and a half, like 250, 260, away from beating Chris Chambers for the most yardage in the uh, in, a, in a rookie season as a receiver. But the we got a lot of – that's not what I'm talking about, man. I just want to make sure. A lot of games left to play, too, man. So, uh, Jay Waddle, man, is my dude. As usual, wideouts always getting it done. I knew those third down conversions would definitely have your heart there. That's kind of what you did for no a long doubt. time He didn't here. spin. I'm going to get him to start spinning that thing. <laughs> Teach him that spin. Spinning it and pointing it, man. Also, one more note there. His rushing touchdown today made him only the second rookie receiver this year to rush for a touchdown. Elijah Moore for the Jets is the other one. Mm, Seth, who is your game ball? enough of Elijah Moore. <laughs> well, look, you know, I hope Sean Wooden is at home listening because he doesn't like the offensive bias, but he's going to get a whole mouthful of it today. <laughs> and I'm going to stick with Juice with the wideouts. And as I said earlier today, Juice, when in doubt, mack it out, Mac baby. It out, baby. So, you know, when, when, all, when all else failed, the pocket was muddy, as Travis likes to say. Tua keeps his eyes down the field. And guess who's running free? Even my wife saw it. She said, he's open. He's open. Sure and there it is, 65 yards, longest touchdown on Tua's career. But Matt Collins, you know, last year when he caught the big play against the Raiders where you know, we almost ripped off uh, Fitzpatrick's face, and then he got out there. You know, this is Matt Collins' special team, Jace. Catches that big catch, and he gets there in front of the press, and he says, this is what I do. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Well, apparently it is because we're going 65 <laughs> yards deep. Matt Collins, and even when a guy could make a play on him, he couldn't make a play on him because Matt was beating him there. And then he had a big third down catch later on on that drive that we talked about so only two catches but that's all he needed to get a game ball from me today that's exactly right the two big catches that's that's all it takes like you said Seth I'm gonna go to the guy that distributed the football to those guys we're going all offense today another shocker who else would I go to besides Tunga Vailoa I think we called you Seth Tunga Vailoa earlier but it might be Seth Winga Vailoa I don't know at this point it's it's or Tua Winga Vailoa or Travis Winga Vailoa (laughs) definitely uh, trending that direction but in this game after a bit of a shaky start like he mentions there the bad ball to start the game 27 for 33, 273 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, 8.2 yards per pass, and 81.8% completion rate. That gives him a rating of 108.7 on the day. And just the way he kind of came back, I thought he looked a little bit jittery early on, kind of had some pressure that made him off target on a few of those throws. But the way he responded, I mean, to get out of pressure on that 65-yard pass, I mean, that to me is what's so important for a young quarterback. We talk about the it factor, right? Does a quarterback have the it factor? And to me, and Juice, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Big moments, third down, fourth quarter, game on the line. To me, that's what proves you have it or you don't have it. And then from there, we can develop the rest. And this guy played, what, 15 games in his career now. To show the progression he has, Brian Flores says he's getting excited, or he's getting better, rather, every time he steps on the field. Tua gets the game ball for the it factor, and I'm excited for his development going forward. Aloha Sunday, guys.
Aloha, Aloha Sunday, Sunday, baby. <laughs> Merry Christmas, man. That right. was great. Right. I love it. What do you guys think? We got a few more minutes here. This segment. Let's yeah. not let's not do uh, let's not do game balls because I'm not going to get out the whole bag. No, game ball because <laughs> if we do, my Marty, man Pilardi deserves one. <laughs> I do want to do some honorable mentions though, because there were some other guys that played well we didn't talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about it, because like. Well, I think we can look on the defensive side a little bit today. You know, we there were a few guys that out there went out there and played well. I mean, David had another solid game. You know, but it's kind of like when you don't see guys going at him, you know, it's hard to even talk about him anymore. You know, in games, he almost had a a thing of pick today as well. Javon had another solid game. You see that coming around. Brandon Jones, you know, you know, is having a good game. Byron Jones is having a great game until the touchdown. You know, the more, I mean, he was he was in position. You know, a lot of times he got beat on that one. I think we were closer with zero coverage. Might have been a man free. Uh, He got beat inside, and then uh, of course the foot race from there. But defense played solid. I thought Jalen Phillips had a solid game, other than the the bonehead play. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a young guy. That's a young guy. You know, just getting his getting his feet wet, a little bit excited there. But man, is he starting to come along and make some plays for us as well? So Three a little bit, on the season yeah, now. a little He's bit of love there. for the defensive side of the ball too, man. Because think about it, other than that big play, they really didn't give up much to Joe Flacco and, and the Jets today. I'll, I'll continue it there with the young safety tandem because why wouldn't I go back to them? Brandon Jones took points off the board that strip sack on Joe Flacco. Yes, They're did. in field goal range. That takes the points off the board, gives the ball back to the Dolphins' offense. Javon Holland had a pass breakup on a Corey Davis seam shot early in the game. Phenomenal. That play. was maybe the best play just from a pure athletic yeah. standpoint. Of the entire game, Juice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there you go, man. Those guys showing up every single week now, you know. And, like, you know, we, we tried our blitz game, our zero blitz game. We did some of those things. But Flacco was uh, smart enough to get rid of the ball before we got leveled. He did get hang on to it one time and get, get leveled. But that was it. We had This game plan is going to work. It's going to work out very well. And there's going to be other quarterbacks going to squeeze the ball a little bit long. Well, you say the word game plan. We are seeing that opponents have to game plan for these two safeties. Yeah. They, they are spending time at practice, coming up with plays, substituting their quarterback. They're making midweek changes for their starting quarterback because of the way these two safeties are playing for the Miami Dolphins. That cannot be uh, underlooked, as Dave Wanstead would say. Underlooked. That's a phenomenal point. <laughs> I, I like that. You got me there. That's a great point, Seth. <laughs> you talk about impacting the game. That's, that's what it's all about, right? Because at practice out there, they'll get the, the, jer- the uh, little pullover jerseys and – they have certain numbers on them because you're going to replicate Correct. being. You're Lamar Jackson this week, right? And Where are they? Yeah. They, they want to know. You better yeah. have an 8 and a 29 in your in your equipment there. They do. And a lot of times you'll see them point to each other like, all right, you got it. The motion's coming to your side. Yeah. You got it. I'll just stay here and I'll go this side or I'll, go, I'll drop back and, you know, you know, cover the middle third and you go from that side. Dude, they, they're interchangeable so nicely, and they both blitz so well. They're thumpers, yeah, man. Yeah, they blitz so well, man. They get there. You know, they get there. If they don't get there, they're going to get a hit on the quarterback. You know, legal hits on quarterbacks, man. And you start hitting those guys, man. They, they start to feel it, man. Old adage, man. It's a cliche. You hit the whole, you hit the quarterback, and the whole team feels it, man. And we're starting to starting to get there, man. Starting to get there, and guys are starting to make some plays. And, uh, man, it's been fun to watch those guys in the secondary. You love to hear that. Also, you don't close out a game with those two long drives without some semblance of a running game. And the average wasn't great today, but they did hit the big plays when they had to have them. So Miles Gaskin, first off, 23 rushes, 89 yards, just 3.9 yards per carry. But, again, that 20-yard rush on second and 14 right before the Mac Collins play, that's a massive play in this game. Just one for seven receiving, but, again, a huge touchdown. So he has a couple of really big plays in this game. How about Duke Johnson for the Canes fans out there? Four for 18, gets a call up to the active roster 
makes a, his Dolphins debut here. And then Patrick Laird, guys, I know you guys uh, love that catch, that catch down on the goal line. He broke <laughs> two tackles where he had no he had no chance at a first down, and he breaks a pair of tackles for a big play to get a first down right before the Waddle touchdown. So those are a couple more of mine. The running game just got things cranking today a little bit better than usual. like to see that. Anything else you guys want to talk about there? No, I, I think I that's enough honorable mention game balls to give out. I mean, can't, everybody can't get a game ball, can you, Juice? Like, well, yeah. I mean, these days, the these days you can, man. Not at this level, though. Not at this level. Maybe right? the Kobe beef meatball gets a game ball, too, from Saturday night. I don't know. <laughs> Two, game Two game balls. Two game balls. And that. some ricotta cheese. <laughs>